Hey everybody, welcome to the Beautiful Shifts podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Chantel. We're so excited to share with you some inspiring stories. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now it's easier to walk I can see the road before me I am not afraid to fall Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to share Karen's interview with you. And before we start, we just wanted to really quickly let you know that we interviewed Karen and she tells us a bunch of her transitions in her life, but she touches on one specifically, which is the loss of her daughter, Christy, to an accidental overdose. And Karen gives us some really good insights of healing and finding hope and moving on in our lives when such tragedy happens. We've also interviewed one of Karen's other daughters, Holly, who's Christy's sister, and her episode will air next week. And she focuses on her transition with losing a sister. And one of the things that she has done is she started a second chance 5k um, she started with sisters that also lost their sister to an accidental overdose. It's a nonprofit organization connecting communities impacted by substance use disorders and celebrating second chances for those in recovery. And they have a 5K coming up on March 25th in Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll give you more information about that with Holly's interview, but there's ways that you can donate, that you can participate, and be part of this really awesome organization. So we are excited to have you listen to Karen's interview today and then look forward to next week when we can share Holly's interview with you as well. Okay, welcome to the podcast today. We're really excited to have Karen Cushenberry with us. Hi, Karen. Hi. Karen was my mom's best friend and I grew up next to Karen for years and um, they had a fun relationship. It seems like you guys were always laughing (laughs) and having a good time together. And I know you guys have gone through a lot of hard things and we're there for each other. And you, so you mean a lot to me because you're such a good friend to my mom. And I just like you as a person as well, because I think you were a young woman leader or camp director at some point, And we did a lot of things as families, some Lake Pal trips and special K treats together. <laughs> That's right. you, you're always like, you can't make these any other time except for our family when we go to Lake Pal. So. <laughs> And they kind of, to this day, when we go to Lake Powell, I always make special K treats. So we're going to just read a bio about Karen and then get into her story. All right. Karen Knight Cushenberry grew up in Palo Alto, California and moved to Los Altos, California in eighth grade. Her family then moved to Provo, Utah her sophomore year. She went to Ricks College in Rexburg, Idaho her freshman year and then started school at BYU as a sophomore. That is where she met her husband, Ron Lowell. By the time they both finished school, they had their first daughter, Holly Ann, their son, Thomas Knight, and then moved to Stansbury Park, Utah with her little family. Three years later, they had twin girls, Carrie Elizabeth and Christy May. In 1981, Karen started teaching school. She has been an educator her whole life. She taught kindergarten, first and second grade, and she was a BYU supervisor over student teachers. Then she later, she got her master's degree in reading and curriculum in 2004. And where she kind of ended her career, which we'll talk more about, is she was a Title I coordinator and a vice principal. So she's had quite the career in education, which is really neat. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'll just give kind of a short summary of some of the transitions we'll talk about today, and then we'll just um, go forward with kind of maybe some more of your background and just kind of go with the conversation from there. So in 1997, Karen's um, husband, Ron, had a major heart attack and 
kind of from then on, I think his health kind of just slowly declined from there and um, ended up um, passing away in 2010. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Karen also remarried in a couple years later. And then at that time, she learned that her daughter was abusing painkillers and other drugs. And so they also lost their daughter, Christy, to an overdose in 2016. And then in 2018, Karen was diagnosed with MS. And then four years later, she, up to this point, has retired from 33 years of being an educator. So there's a lot of transitions there. And I'm sure a lot of, you know, wisdom and life lessons that... Yeah, as well as having all your children and going back to school. And so you've had a very interesting life. So we're excited to hear more about it. Okay, so maybe you could tell us a fun or interesting fact about you so the audience can get to know you a little bit. Okay, well... There's two. The The first one is from my childhood. I was a champion swimmer, and I was really famous for my butterfly because I could just scoot along that water, skim <laughs> along the top of the water, and everybody just loved watching me swim butterfly. That's and cool. and butterfly's one, hard, too. Yeah, hard I know. I can't, yeah. I can't do it now. I just yeah. swim. But, <laughs> That's really um, cool. Yeah, I, I, it was fun. It was really fun. But, um, and I swam for probably, you know, competition. I, it, there was a point where I was on two swim teams and, and, uh, swam probably four hours a day between the wow. two teams in the summer. But anyway, um, the, there was a, an Olympic swimmer named Mark Spitz and he trained at the Santa Clara, um, swim club and coach from the swim club asked my dad, invited me to, um, come and swim, train with them. The same wow. club where Mark Spitz trained. And um, I said, absolutely not, because my hair was turning green, and my shoulders were broad, and I was starting high school, and I just wasn't, I was done. I wasn't going to get up at four in the morning to swim, and it broke my dad's heart. He's 87, and he still talks about it to this day. (laughs) He wishes you would have become that champion (laughs) swimmer. That's right, and I probably should have done it. It would have made my life different, but... Well, but I didn't. Yeah. I refused. So yeah. yeah, that's hard. I don't know why they do. I swear that's always how swimming is. It's always yeah. those early morning hours. Yeah, because I said my son's been on the high school swim team, and it's been rough. Those four thirty wake ups. Yeah, for yeah, parents really too. Yeah. yeah, but it's such a neat sport, and yeah, yeah, I wish that those early mornings weren't so hard. But well, and and I think it's so good for you. Like I feel like I, until I got MS, I feel like I was really healthy, super healthy mm. and strong all my oh, life. Oh, it's so hard. Swimming is yeah. whenever I've yeah. tried to kind of get into swimming, I'm like, wow, this is yeah. really a difficult, and but really good, you know, yeah. physically. it's good for you. To do it four hours a day, did you start it out young? Like, I'm just curious how oh, you yes. were super yes, young. Six. And then you, you were oh. so good. They just kept moving yeah. you up in competitive teams. That's well, cool. Well, we, we started out in just like a little neighborhood pool, little, mm. you know, neighborhood team. And then we moved up to a more competitive club. Yeah, yeah. that's neat. Yeah, yeah that's it was awesome. fun. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Okay, yeah, and then cool. you said you had one more interesting... Oh, the other thing is that I have four children, and um, they between the, two, between the four of them, we have four birth, two birthdays. Because oh, my that's first, right. Because my first two were oh. born two years apart on the same day, and then I had twins. So we'd, we'd have, you know... For the first two, we'd have a, the same birthday party. The da- my daughters in the morning and my sons in the afternoon, and then the twins we'd do together. Oh, but wow. it was it was funny. They always complained. Yeah, I have to share my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no one gets their own day around yeah. here. I had a sister born on my birthday, so I never gave them any sympathy. I was like tough. 
Oh. You're like, so, it's part of my like, life, I too. Know, yeah. 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 And I actually have twins, too. My oh, do younger, you? Oh. My younger, too. Boy, girl, but yeah. Oh, So fun. we just did their birthday in December, so. No. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we go into your background info a little bit more. It sounds like you grew up in California. Maybe is there anything else that, else that stands out in your growing up years that you'd like to share? Um, I loved it. I really loved I I loved it. I loved growing up in Palo Alto. Um my dad got his PhD at Stanford in physics, and I remember as a little tiny kid, you know, playing on the amphitheater, the outdoor amphitheater, um, where they had his graduation. I remember, um, uh, it was just, I don't know, it was just really fun. Lots of diversity, you know, lots of every, I don't know, it was just really fun. I just, I really loved it. And, I, and then when we moved to Los Altos, um, same thing. It was just, it was just fun. I loved it. Really different than Utah. Really, yeah. really How many siblings did you have? <clears throat> I'm the oldest of nine. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. I remembered you had a lot. I just okay. can't remember how. Yeah. And where is Los Altos <clears throat> in relation to Palo Alto? Is it it's nearby? Ju- yeah. It's just right okay. next to, it's just barely, um, South, I think. Yeah. South. Yeah. Okay. And in those days, like me and my two, my, my best friends were twins and we, our moms would let us hop on the train and go to San Francisco. Like we were oh, in wow. like eighth grade How and fun. it was safe enough. We would just hop on the train and go to, to San Francisco and shop all day or go to oh, a movie fun. or whatever. It wasn't oh, dangerous so cool. and it was so fun. Yeah. Now, what year were you born? Do you know? um, 1958. Okay. I'm trying to put, okay. So you're, so I'm 64. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So yeah, back then it probably was not yeah. quite as big, maybe a little more safe. I mean, I think it's still a great area. My brother actually lives in Santa Clara. Oh, there, so I'm somewhat familiar. But yeah. they love it. Yeah, so, yeah. It's yeah. it's a it, back then it was a great place to grow up. It wasn't it wasn't as it wasn't ritzy at all back mm, then. Yeah, you know what now, I mean. No, Palo Alto. It was just normal, and it was oh, just just really fun it's such a beautiful area and to have that city san francisco so close and i love awesome san francisco city. i really do i haven't yes. been for years yeah. but i really yeah i want to go back so then what brought your family to provo <laughs> my dad got a job at byu teaching physics and that was like his dream job Oh wow! and i was like i said in my bio um i was a sophomore in high school i was hard. not happy yeah, i, I did not have a good attitude <laughs> That was a little bit rough, but I did make friends and um, made it through. Everything turned out okay, but um, and I don't know how things might have turned out if I hadn't moved. But it was okay. It was okay, yeah. but it was not. It wasn't. It was hard. It's interesting. I feel like your mom, my mom, and you had the opposite. She grew up in Utah, but then she moved to California for her high school years. So it was just yeah. the opposite. But your they mom, moved to Santa your mom Clarita. was your mom was always so um, positive. Like she didn't complain about it or have a hard time. She was just happy. Yeah, she really was. <laughs> when actually. we talked about it, I was like, "You have such a good attitude." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think and she enjoyed living there, but didn't. It was yeah. only a couple of years, but. Yeah. And what part of Utah did you did you move down to Provo? Or? Uh-huh, Provo. Okay. Uh-huh. I went right. to Provo High. I went to Provo High before there was Tint View. Oh, okay. And so it was packed. It was like during class change time, the halls were packed. It was crazy. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was a big, it was a huge change. It was culture shock. 
So. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Growing up yeah. in California, come to Utah, there's lots of different, I mean, not just weather, but the culture and yeah, the high schools sound like they're different. So, And then, um, yeah, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about, so you met your husband there at BYU, is that right? Or... Yes. Yes, he was okay, going so. to BYU. Can you just tell us about, yeah, your college years a little bit? Um, I, I went to Rick's and I thought that was fun, but it was cold. I couldn't stand it. And I was pr- pretty fresh out of California and I hated it. I just, yeah, it I, is cold and windy up there. I, I couldn't stand it. I would turn on my electric blanket full blast and run to class and then come back to my apartment and jump in bed because it was so cold, but I didn't go back. Um, and then went to BYU my sophomore year. I didn't love school. I spent a lot of time skiing. Mm. I thought, you know, reading days when you were supposed to get ready for your finals were skiing days. Um, (laughs) I didn't take it very seriously. Um, I got my generals done, and then I um, just didn't know what to do. I took a break for a couple years, and then I went back, and not maybe just a year. And then I decided to do elementary education. I didn't put a lot of thought into it. I just knew I could do that and that it would be easy. I never planned on teaching. I figured I would get married to somebody that would be really rich, <laughs> and I would never have to work. And so I just did that. And to be honest, I threw all my stuff away at the end of every semester. I didn't keep all my lesson plans or my um, oh, how ironic. files yeah. and everything. I was like, you know, I'm done. Oh, need that. Yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, I just didn't take it very seriously. Um, but I, I was. I don't know. I don't want to say I'm a nat- I was a natural, but it was easy for me. My mom was a teacher. My grandma was a teacher. My dad was a teacher. I mean, it was in our blood and in our family, so it wasn't hard for me. Um, and when it came time for me to actually teach, you know, everything was so much diff- so different than when I was in school that it wouldn't have really mattered if I'd saved everything. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. The stuff wouldn't have applied anyway. But, um, yeah, so I was kind of a brat. But I, pat, I I got through. I graduated. Well, yeah, you got your education. That's yeah. awesome. Which yeah. set you up really well for later. So that's right. great. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah, we got through that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so what year did you start teaching? Did you start teaching after Ron's heart attack? No, I, luckily that? I didn't. Luckily I okay. got my foot in the door before. I, I just had a feeling that I needed to start. And I, I it was, oh, I don't know, it was about 91 1991. And it was a struggle. I, I When I look back now, I think, how did I get four kids out the door and myself? Yeah. And I don't know how I did it. I That's honestly don't. I don't know how I did it all those years. Um, the girls were went over to our neighbor's house where she watched them and did a little preschool with them. And um, Holly helped me a lot. She was really responsible. She was a very responsible girl. And... Um, I don't know. We those I don't I mean, I love those years. I love those years so much, but I know that they were stressful and hard. You know? Yeah, that's a lot yeah. with four really kids. Really busy. And really, really busy. And I can't did Ron where did, did Ron go into Salt Lake from to for work he, from Stansbury? He was a chemical engineer for the Department of Defense and he worked oh, up in Dugway. Dugway. Dugway, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And that's so, quite a commute though. It's not real close to Stansbury. Right. right. So he um <clears throat> He left at like five in the morning and wouldn't get home until seven. Oh wow! So you were so on I fed, your own. Yeah, yeah. I totally. I I fed the kids, 
you know, and did everything like that. He got home at seven, ate dinner, took care of his medical stuff because mm-hmm. he was diabetic and he'd always have to check his sugar and do his shots and all that stuff and then just go right to bed. Like we hardly saw him. Oh, wow. He did have Fridays off. And so he would, you know, have the kid, the girls and, and, you know, he would take them out to lunch where they go like to Smith's and eat a hot dog at the little <laughs> They thought they were going on a date, a really fancy date. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, he was really cute with them, and they adored him and had so much fun on those Fridays. Well, that's um, neat. Yeah. Um, awesome. And so was that, at that point, what grade were you teaching, first or second? That was second. Okay. And then when he had his heart attack in 1997... Um, I barely got back. Oh, this was really um, touching. but So I went down to L.A. to get him, and I thought when I got the call that um, he had just had a sugar reaction, uh, insulin reaction. I just figured, oh, he's fine, you know. But I'll, I'll, So I flew down and um, figured I'd just go to the hospital, pick him up, and I, I had the secret plan that we'd, go, we'd sneak off to Disneyland and spend a day at Disneyland and then go home, and we wouldn't tell the kids. But when I got there, they were really somber, and the doctors, like three doctors, came in and told me that things were really bleak and really bad, and that he had had a major heart attack in the airport and then two more on the way to the hospital, and that there wasn't hardly any viable heart tissue left. And they did all kinds of tests. It was was bleak, and um, every single day was bad news. Like, every single day when I'd wake up, the news would be worse. My mom came down. They, ha- they had happened to be in, up in Northern California, up in Silicon Valley. My dad was doing some research work up there. So my, my mom and dad and one of my sisters was, had been there. And so they came down, and my mom stayed with, with me for a while. And then the doctor said that, that they that we needed to get my kids there to say goodbye to their dad because it was so that hard. bad, and so, so we we flew the kids out, and um, the vitals were really bleak, really bad, and the kids came in, and as soon as um, they came in, all the vitals started to improve, and he was kind of comatose but not quite. But he wasn't able to, you know, talk or speak to him. But he could hear the their voices and everything, and everything started to prove. And he obviously started to fight when he heard the kids come in. Mm. So, um, yeah. So I was staying in a hotel, and it was getting really expensive. And I was like, I, I can't keep doing this. I don't know what to do. And you know, you had Ryan Smart on. His mom was his mom helped me. She had a cousin or somebody that that helped me get housing at the temple. There was there was apartments behind the temple. the The LDS temple had these these cinder block apartments, which I'm not complaining. I was so grateful, <laughs> and um, sh- they got me a place there. And so we, um, I went up there, and I think I don't think my mom was there, but you're, you're I don't know. Do you remember Chantilly? Your mom yeah, came. Yeah, I remember my mom came to be yeah. with you. Yeah, she's like, yeah. I gotta fly down there and be with Karen for a while. Yeah. She needs some a yeah. friend. Yeah. Well, my mom stayed for a while, and then the kids came, and then when it was time for the kids to go home because we couldn't afford to keep feeding them junk food, <laughs> and yeah. um, 
So we sent them back, but I couldn't part with Tommy. I just needed Tommy to stay and be with me. For some reason, he was just, I needed him. So he stayed for another week, and then we sent him back too, and my mom had to go. And so then I think Jill came, no, yes, Jill came and sat with me through the surgery. And if you know Jill, I don't like, it's hard for me to talk about Jill. If you know Jill, she is a calm, calming, positive influence. And she was so calm the whole time we sat there for like eight hours for the whole surgery. And she just calmly crocheted. And I'm up pacing back and forth and sitting down and wringing my hands. And and she's just like, how are you doing? It's going to be okay, you know. Just calming. She didn't, she didn't say anything profound or she was just calm and there for me and um I'll I'll never forget because it was just a blessing she has been a blessing in my life yeah I mean that's kind of what I think about my mom when I think about her is just being there and crocheting most of the time but she's just there for you and her calming presence helps and even Carrie my sister when she did her interview like that was a huge part of her story too is just when she would go through hard things my mom would just be there. And so now, sorry, when I go through hard things, I just picture her being right next to me, crocheting. And um, and my sister and I try to be that for each other. Let's Okay, what would mom do right now? So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, and then another friend came the next week, and um, and that was when he was, the, the surgery went well. They were shocked. The doctor came in and, and they were completely shocked that, that they were able to do a septuple bypass because they didn't think that they would be able to. And so, and we couldn't, I couldn't see him only a half an hour, like in the morning and a half an hour in the afternoon. And so she came and she was like, okay, we're not going to sit around. We're not going to just sit around and feel sad. We're going to, we went to Disneyland for a day and we went to the beach and we just we rollerbladed from um, Santa Monica to um, Venice Beach. Like we just kept busy the whole time. So it was like the perfect combination of my friends. That one was calm and kept me calm during the surgery, and the other one kept me busy while I couldn't do anything. So yeah. I was so blessed. And then the next week, um, Ron's sister came and and she kept me company too, and it was just a blessing. Um, anyway, in the meantime. It's getting closer and closer. This all happened in July to school starting, and I had a second grade class to get ready, and I was fretting about it and really getting worried. And um, so finally, he was on the up and up. He got changed out of ICU to a regular room, and I called my mother-in-law and said, I've got to get back to Utah. Um, And anyway, long story short, his brother was willing to fly home with him when the time came, and I went home. And I went to school to see, it was like, you know, four days before school started. I went back to her and get my room ready. And my, the other teachers had gotten my classroom already. I walked in and I just bawled because I didn't know how I was going to do it. And that's a big deal to a teacher. You don't feel prepared if your room isn't exactly, Mm. but long story short, I ended up not teaching that year. I ended up doing title one in Tooele that year because, um, it was just easier for me. I had to take him to so many doctor's appointments and things. I p- applied for this other job and got it. And that was another 
big transition because I wasn't teaching. I, I did that for, I think, four years before we moved to Provo. Um, so um, anyway, he came home, and I remember one day, you know, just walking into the house, and there was an oxygen tank sitting inside the doorway, and I just thought, my life has changed forever. Like, this is a big deal. Like, this is a big transition. Like, this is going to be different. And it was because he wasn't yeah. able to work. And um, I was the main breadwinner. And um, everything was different. Really, really different. Um, and part of it was <laughs> that he was home and he was like, what are the kids doing out so late? Like in the summer, they'd go play games on the golf course and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, <laughs> and I was like, this is what they do in the summer. And he's like, well, they need to come home. You know, and I'd be like, no, they don't. They're, f-. you know what I mean? Like, it was like, I had Yeah, been... that'd be hard to transition. Like yeah. the way you've been parenting is all of a sudden he's yes, exactly. just there and yeah. kind of being like, wait. <laughs> it took some uh, compromising and explaining to do. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. It's almost like um, now with having husbands work from home more after COVID. Yeah, it's it's, different. Yeah. it's As you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, I relate to that. It's just a little <laughs> yeah. different. All of a sudden our lives are intersecting so much more and there's good things about it and helpful things, but also, yeah, it can you're be like, a little Wait, let me just do my job. Yeah, Don't wait, tell I me. have my, my routine here, you know. Yeah. What do you mean, yeah. what am I doing? I'm doing what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I always yeah. do. This is how I do it. Yeah. yeah. So there was a little, yeah, that was interesting. But anyway, um, and then I think it was like a year or so after that, I realized that um, the older kids were moving on in their lives and um, Christine and Carrie were old enough to, they were about to start high school. And I thought, you know, this would be a good time for me to move back to Provo where I have family and stuff that could help me because it was getting a bit much. And um, I needed help getting him to dialysis, dialysis appointments yeah. and so on. So we moved back to Provo, and um, Christine Carey started high school at Provo High, which was awesome. interesting. Where you went, yeah. Because I made them, I, I would never have made them do that if they hadn't had each other. But I figured they have each other, so, and and they were accepted immediately and loved and adored, and they played oh, basketball good. all four years. Christy, oh, cool. Chris, Christy actually started on the as a freshman on the varsity team. Oh, yeah, I remember oh. her being really good. And so that was fine. It was fine, I think. I mean, yeah. yeah, they had a lot of friends. And, yeah, so that's how we ended up in Provo. Yeah. yeah. And then what year did uh, Ron pass away when the girls, the twins were in high school? No. Or were they done? They were 22 when he passed away. Oh, okay. He passed so away in 2010. After. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was... Um, you know, we knew he was really sick. He was on dialysis. He was looking really bad. But it was still a shock, you know? Yeah. I mean, not as big a shock as a car accident or, you know, out of the blue. But it was a shock. Um, and it was really a big transition for me going from being his caretaker, caregiver, to he wasn't there. Like, I had always had... You know, I've got to hurry and get home, make sure he's okay from work. And, you know, I never would go long without getting home because he had he had frequent um, insulin reactions. And um, it was so weird because I'd get that 
that's filling in my stomach and then I'd remember oh he's gone you know and I don't have to hurry it was just really and in fact about a week after we had buried him I went to the top of the stairs and called I've got dinner and then I was like oh yeah Mm, like it was just really so hard I mean 30 31 years we were married so it was and it was interesting being a widow like like um just going places alone or you have to go to weddings or um, funerals or it was just um you just I just felt like it's just a different world it's just mm-hmm. really different you know yeah when all um, your kids were probably out of the house yeah. for the most part so that's a big change too at the same time that you're also yeah. going through your husband passing it was away, basically so. it was basically like within months that yeah. everyone was gone except Tommy did move back because he was um, dating a gal and they were getting serious and stuff so mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was weird. It was just... I mean, my dad... It's, like, so interesting that how much your guys... My mom and dad and you guys, like, they're somewhat similar because my dad was a caretaker for my mom for years, and it was the same thing. Like, he was so used to everything being about my mom and taking care of my mom. Like, so all of a sudden he felt like, oh, I can leave, but then he would feel guilty because the reason he can leave and go do what he wants is because she's gone. But it was kind of a relief to be able to go do things because he was just with her. I mean, we even tried, Dad, go do something. We're going to take care of Mom. No, no, I'll be here with them. I want to see you guys too, you know. And so it's a huge transition. And, yeah, being used to them being there all the time. And then the extra part of taking care of them is a huge responsibility. Right. And a huge undertaking. And so, yeah, that's hard. Yeah, it is. It is. And then then when you do get used to it, like I kind of felt guilty because I've I was sort of released and I felt happy for him because he was suffering. He was in pain and Mm -hmm. I saw it every day and I saw him live with it and I felt relief, but I think it was hard on my kids. I think they felt like I wasn't mourning or grieving as much as I should have been. Yeah. I just think it's so different. Like you said, when it's not like this, all of a sudden they died of nowhere. It's like, you've known he's been sick for so long, just like my mom. Like, yeah. and it was the same thing. Like, of course I miss my mom every single day and it was so sad, but she was in a lot of pain and she wasn't herself anymore. And so you are kind of like happy for them. Cause it's like, my mom didn't want to live that way. Ron probably didn't want to live that way. Well, and you're seeing it up close. I'm sure your kids, you know, had a little, I mean, we all have different perspectives. And so you had, you know, a, a different perspective than they did on that. So that's right. understandable for sure. Right. That was a big transition, becoming a widow and kind of negotiating my place and um, figuring that out. That out, and it was okay. I I didn't mind it. I I don't know. The summer after he died, um, some cute teachers at my school, there a, a bunch of gals that were single, invited me to go to on a Baltic cruise up in the Baltics. Oh, oh that's cool. Yeah. And I was just shocked because I'm like 20 years older than him. Mm-hmm. And I went and I had a blast and I took Well, you're young at heart. I feel like you're a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> they went, they'd go out and do stuff at night and I'd go to bed, but, um, <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was good. It was good for me. It was good for me to be with myself. Oh, that's neat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's so, really that's cool. That's really neat. Yeah. Um, I just was thinking with that, I thought, you know, thinking back to your story of when your husband first got sick and had the heart attack, you had your friends that were kind of there for you. And then 
your teacher friends that helped you get your classroom ready and then these other teachers that you know invited you on the cruise I just think it's neat to see how different people um have kind of worked their way into your story and kind of helped buoy you up at hard times too so it's just a good reminder I think to yeah, us as friends like friends are important yeah, it's good to yeah. be a good friend yeah well um if if we go back to my story and those years in Stansbury Jill and um, Janine they, I don't even think they realized, and I've told them, I had told them, they, sometimes we'd go on weekends away to, um, to Jill's parents had a place in Midway and a place in St. George, and we'd go on weekends, and those saved me. Mm. Those saved me. Wow. Because I would be so exhausted and tired, and we would go and just laugh and play, you know, shop and do stupid things and, and you know, go out to eat and just have fun and that it, it buoyed me up and got me through to the I next I think that's time. so important, yeah. yeah. When you're going through something hard, my husband and I have been talking about this a lot lately. We've had some hard things ourselves as well as with um, close friends and family that everybody just needs like a breather, like a moment of peace. And, you know, and sometimes I think you feel guilty, like I got to leave. I can't, you know, I need a moment. But I think for the caretaker, a lot of times you need that, like to get your strength to kind of even just forget about things in a way where you can laugh and you can you know, just in that there's still good parts of life, even when things are really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think just taking a, some time and a breather, whatever, you know, I know that some people it's like you have, um, you know, privilege with, where you have, you have money or you have somewhere to stay or something, but like anything, even if it's a, just a day, I'm going to go to a movie by myself or I'm going to go go on a drive, yeah, yeah, a drive yeah. or, yeah. but if you can get away with some friends mm-hmm. or something, yeah, it's really helpful. And, and we didn't know, we never talked about, Oh, how hard things were, how bad, how bad or whatever. It was fun. It was yeah. just yeah. a fun, we fun focused time. on the good, yeah. Yeah. And I, I try to remember that to show up for people now. Yeah. You know, you show up and you, you know, you pull them in. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so then that takes us to where were we? Um, I think when you got married again. Okay. Oh. A couple years later. Yeah. yeah. I got married and um, my poor husband. <laughs> and how did you meet him? Maybe you can tell us a little Oh, that's a really crazy story. (laughs) (laughs) No, we love crazy stories. (laughs) Well, two months after Ron died, our bishop lived right next door to us. And he and I, we had just moved into this house like eight months before Ron died. So I had really didn't know very many people. And he called me to be the Relief Society president. Two months. And I was like, are you sure with everything you yeah. have going and he, on? And he, and he was kind of like, you know, this, this isn't me like this. I just, you know, anyway. So, um, finally I said yes. And, um, it was really hard and I had a lot of people help me. One of my sisters that single came over and even came into the ward to help me do visiting teaching. Cause I couldn't, when you lose somebody, you have brain fog bad. Mm. And I had it, but she helped me wrap you know, do visiting teaching and get it all organized and whatever. But anyway, um, about two and a half years in, um, this single man who had lost his wife had a heart attack and had bypass by bad bypass surgery. It was my husband. But anyway, so I knew I was like, Oh, how's he going to do this without, you know, a wife or anybody to take care of him. So I made sure he had meals taken in and I, um, texted him a couple times and then I after he came home from the hospital I texted him and said you know I can I can 
pick up prescriptions for you. I can, if, even if you just get cabin fever, I can take you for a ride or whatever you want. And he said, well, would you mind um, walking with me? Because I want to build the capacity, my lung capacity again. And so I'm like, okay. And so I went up and we went for a walk. And then we went for a walk every day. And then oh. we started having dinner every night. And then... Six months later, we got married. So oh, that's, that's awesome. actually really cute. I love that. It started <laughs> I, with a no, walk. Cute, yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like I did the calling because I was supposed to meet him. I would never, oh. in a million years, in a million thousand years, I never would have met him because I was yeah. know, on the prowl when you've been married right. for 31 years. Well, you would have, right. probably wouldn't have been reaching out to people and seeing. Well, yeah. and just interesting enough that he had something similar to Ron, so you kind of knew what he needed. So you're exactly. just trying to be a good Relief Society president. Yeah. Like, okay, how can I help this? Like, he doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have someone taking yeah. care of him. Exactly. So that's yeah. really cool. Remind me what his name is. Bill. Bill, that's right. Bill. Yeah. And what year was this about? It was when you This was grew- 2000. We got married in 2012. Okay. Did you guys have good conversation right off the bat or was it just like easy? I mean, how did you kind of... We had a lot in common in -hmm. some ways because his wife had had cancer and he had, you know, nursed Mm -hmm. her through that too and just different things like that. Oh, this is what I was going to say. This was funny. So the first day that we went for a walk, we live up against the mountain and so we we drove down by the river to walk because I didn't think he should go up and down hills. Mm -hmm. He couldn't have. And we're driving down there and he goes, so are you just nice like this? Like, you do just take everybody that has surgery for walks? And I'm like, no, I'm the Relief <laughs> Society president. This isn't my job. He, oh. did, he didn't even know. Oh, he that's just funny. He thought I was some <laughs> random woman like, offering. Um, yeah, I'm just offer. offering to help yeah. out of the goodness of your heart. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you aren't, but yeah. Yeah, I was just like, no, I have to do this. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're an assignment. No. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's and then funny. when I announced our engagement, in Relief Society, you know, all the all the ladies were like, ah! Well, mm. that's a cool starting, yeah. like, cool start to a relationship. I know. I, I'm glad yeah, It was good. That. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah awesome. that is good. And what was his, I mean, was he working still? Like, what mm-hmm. was his situation? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. He, he just retired in September. Okay. And then you were teaching at this point? Like, yeah, remind me what you were doing in your life at this point. When we met? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I taught up until this year. I had surgery in July, and when I went back to school in September, I couldn't work eight hours. So I mm-hmm. that's when I stopped working. Okay. I was planning just to work now. this year, but I this yeah, okay. I just all right. And what age were you teaching at that point? If about ten years ago or so. Oh, I was I was doing Title One. The Title One. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. Um. And so then, yeah, you mentioned um in your bio a little bit about the same time that you were you know getting married to bill is this when christie's kind of drug addiction started yes and Mm. i i wasn't really aware of it um and then at some point early on with being married to bill it came out i I felt so bad for him because i feel like if i had just married him and one of his kids was crazy drug addict i would have been like see ya i'm not doing this but he hung in and he helped me he helped me a lot because I had been totally enabling her, you know, doing things that helped her, like giving her money. And like, I just, it just didn't occur to me at first. And he would be like, you're going to do what? And then I'd think, and I'd be like, yeah, I shouldn't do that. So he, she hated him with a passion. She hated him. And um, she was horrible to him. 
but he hung in there. He was always very kind to her, but um, it was rough. It was really rough, and we did a lot of rehabs. We did a lot of family group therapy. We did um, detoxes. I mean, you name it. We did everything we could think of. I almost had her, had her, I, I was on my way to take her to a, an outdoor, one of those outdoor programs, you know, um, she realized what was happening and jumped out of the car at a, at a red light. I mean, it was stuff like that all the time. It, I could, I mean, the stories just go on and on and it was heart wrenching. It was horrible. It was scary. Um, I had, how long do you think she was kind of like, how many years was she I don't, kind of an addict? I don't think, do think that she, uh, probably, probably four or five. I, I think the heroin was just the last year of her life. And, um, I think that she was gay. And when she told us, I I feel like we were very accepting and loving, you know, we were really, you know, and she would say to me, I know you're mad. I know you're disappointed. And I would say, I'm like, give me a minute. Like I, cause I always knew she was, I always knew it wasn't like a big surprise, but I was, you know, she dated in high school. She had boyfriends. She went to every prom, you know, so I kind of thought, well, maybe, maybe not, you know, maybe, I mean, she's a beautiful girl and yeah, she's very boys beautiful. liked her. And I mean, <laughs> Carrie told me all kinds of stories. Like they're at a concert and guys are, you know, Hey, give me your number or whatever. And she'd be like, I'm into chicks, you know, and (laughs) you know, just stuff like that. But, um, it just was something I had to get my brain wrapped around. And I'm just like, Hey, I love you no matter what, but let me, give me a minute. Give me a minute here. I'm, I'm not mad. I'm not sad. I'm not disappointed. I just, let me get used to it because I was picturing her and Carrie raising their kids together and, you know, and she's she was much better with kids than Carrie ever was, <laughs> you know, much better with the nieces and nephews. And anyway, so um, I was just going to point out that this was several years ago. I mean, I do feel like things have come a long way with the LGBTQ community, and I think there's more. It's talked about more and probably accepted more. Like I'm sure even now, maybe you would know more about that, you know. But yeah. I think you handled it really well for. About what year was that that she came out? Well, it was two. Th- oh, she came out probably 2013. Yeah. I don't know. But it was, yeah, it was pretty ago. okay. And yeah. I asked her, I said, well, do you want me to be in that, um, that, what are they called? The Mormon. The Mama Dragons. Mama Dragons. Uh-huh. I said, do you, want me to, do you want me to do all that? Like, I, you know, if that's what, she goes, I don't, Mom. I want you to just be you. I want you to just carry on and do, you know. And I said, because I'll. You know, whatever, and no, I don't want you to do all that. I want you to just be you, and mm-hmm. okay, you know. Um, but that's not what drove her to the drugs. It was because she had migraines, monthly migraines with her cycle, and really, really bad migraines. And I would take her sometimes to the ER, and they would hook her up to morphine because the pain was excruciating. And anyway, that's, I, I believe that's how it started. And I believe that's how we got into this cycle. And she felt, found out that that felt really good other times too, and got a hold of whatever. And, you know, I could go and blame doctors and blame this and that and the other, but you know, it just, it just is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really hard. And it seems like a lot of, you know, drug addiction starts with pain and you want to be relieved of your pain. Right. And then you realize, wow, 
it just, yeah, it's hard because then the addiction can happen so quickly because they yeah. are addictive, you know? Right. Yeah. And so, um, anyway, she did, when she, when she told me she was using heroin, I flipped out and I went off on her and, um, I, I will always feel really bad about that. I was not kind. I was furious. That's really scary. Like hearing that. It's out of love and yeah. like concern and fear for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, I'm, I'm so accepting of you and every choice you've made and all the things that you're doing with your life. And this, I will not accept. I will yeah. not accept this. But, um, anyway, um, we had to ask her to leave. Like she, we wouldn't follow our rules. Okay, you can live here, but here are the rules, and she wouldn't follow them. And so several times we had to ask her to leave. Yeah. Um, because, you know. Anyway. Well, it's yeah. a hard balance of like wanting to take care of her, but not wanting to enable her yeah. at the same time. And I think as a parent, you have this deep love for your child, and you want them to be happy and healthy, and not have addictions you know or anything any pain that's hurting themselves yeah yeah but you're like the balance of yeah enabling her protecting her i don't even know if there's a right or wrong way but it's well there's better ways than what we did or what i did but um anyway um so finally what happened was she came home and said i'm clean i'm good um, I'm so happy, da 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 and so can I come move home? And so we sat down. So she, yeah, she was going to do all the rules, and this was the first time that she would come up and do the dishes or clean up after herself or really followed the rules, and so I was so encouraged and happy, and she called U- UVU because she had actually just walked away from a semester, just didn't finish her classes, and they said that they're going to erase that whole semester, and she was going to be able to go to school, and... Um, Holly and Todd had offered to help her with finances for school. I mean, everything was looking up, and she was, you know, seemed so great and everything. And um, I, I kind of had a feeling that maybe she was still using. I had a couple of signals, but I wasn't going to push it. And um, anyway, long story short, she. I found her one day after school. I found her in her room, passed away, and um, I. I will always be so grateful that she was in a warm, in, in my home, in a warm yeah. place, safe, and she wasn't in some trashy alley or, you know, right, yeah. you know, on the streets or whatever. Um, and I'm also grateful that no one told me that I found her myself. I don't mm. know how I would react if someone had to tell me that. Yeah, I think it's... Um... I don't know what, what order we're going to release the episodes, but we've released or we've interviewed your daughter, Holly. So, um, Christy's sister. Yeah. And I know she mentioned she was on the phone with you and it was hard for her to believe because she wasn't there, right. you know? And so yeah. for you to be the one that sees her first, no one's telling you, you know, like as hard as that is. I was grateful that Holly was on the phone with me and she didn't believe me. And, um, I, you know, cause they think, they think I'm dramatic and whatever, but <laughs> It was apparent. I mean, she was cold. And she yeah. obviously believed that there was something wrong, but she probably yeah. was holding out hope. The that hope. Yeah. She yeah. was just like passed yeah. out or she yeah. was and, and you know, so, conscious or whatever. And yeah. so I did. I held the phone up to paramedics mm. and said, um, will you please tell my daughter? And he said, yes, she's passed. Oh. So anyway, um, 
but I do have to tell you this part of this. Um, so everybody came, like paramedics came, cops came, all these people came. I'm upstairs. My dad was the first person from my family that arrived, and he he just um, sat on the couch with me and held my hand, and we just both cried. We didn't talk. We just cried. And more people from my family came, and it seemed really unreal, but I thought, I thought that she had killed herself. I thought she had died by suicide. And um, as I was on the phone, I was telling my brother that. And as I was saying that, an investigator walked by. We had all these investigators, coroners, everybody coming. She was downstairs. And um, so um, a few hours later, he came upstairs. And by then, there was a lot of family, a lot of people in the house. And he came over to me, and he pulled a stool and sat down right in front of me. And he took my hands in his. And he said, he looked me right in the eye, and he said, your daughter did not die by suicide. Your daughter had an, it, it is a, an accidental overdose. He said, I've been doing this for over 40 years, and I want you to know that um, I, I know what I'm talking about, and this was an accidental overdose. Mm-hmm. She got a hold of some really bad stuff, and if she hasn't been using for a while, it was was too much for her system, and um, I don't want you to think that she did this on purpose at all. And then he proceeded to tell me all about people in his family that he'd lost from addiction, mm-hmm. and he was so kind and so tender. And then he, I, he, I said, do you want to see a picture of her? Because she looked terrible. And so we went over to the wall, and I showed him pictures of her, and he started to cry. This man that's seen this for 40 years, and he just said, I, I just, I never get over the tragedy of this, these beautiful young people. And it was just so... I mean, everybody else was so clinical and professional, and we've got to get this job done, and you know. But this man understood what we lost, and he was so kind and gentle and empathetic. And it, I don't know; it just meant so much to me. Yeah, um, yeah, that's <clears throat> that's awesome. It's like it makes you want like realize that when people just take a moment to be there for somebody even a stranger it can make such a difference you know and even just him empathizing with you because he's had it in his own family as well as his whole career um how important that is as part of his job right it's not just just, i mean he could have just walked out he didn't have to say anything but he was being human you know and it stayed with you you know like all these years which i think's amazing and yeah, I wish I knew his name. I would write him a letter or send him a card or something, but I don't. I yeah. have no idea. But anyway, it, that was a moment. And then Chantel, like when the viewing and when all the people from Stansbury showed up, you and your little girl. Like I knew you were a busy mommy, and and your parents and all these friends from long ago. It was just so like showing up for people. It means so much. Like. When you don't know what to do, show up. Yeah. yeah. You don't know what to say, just be there. That's all. Yeah. Like your mom did. 
just be yeah. there. Yeah, and I told Holly this in her interview, but I was just, I mean, I already knew your family, and we were kind of, it was like our growing up years, and then we all kind of went our separate ways as we got married and had kids and stuff, but you guys always, you know, meant a lot to me. And I feel like the funeral um, represented your family so much because it was such a tribute to Christy. I mean, you laughed, you cried, you like, you know, I didn't know, I babysit Christy when she was younger, but I didn't know her as an adult. But the stories you told, I can, you know, I feel like I like knew her in that way. And you guys did such a good, good job of not, you know, I told Holly, like it was a celebration of her life, not so much a like, let's be so sad this happened. Of course it was. That's what a funeral is. I mean, you're sad and you're mourning somebody, but to be able to tell the fun jokester person she was and how much you guys all loved her, it was a really, they were really special funeral. Thank you. Yeah, it was, I, you know. I was so impressed with your kids being able to stand up there and, you know, and they all had their unique way of talking about, was it Tommy that had the PowerPoint? Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was awesome. It was just a different way of like showing his relationship with Christy and kind of who she was and even his personality as well. So, yeah. 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 And Holly talked about what a fun person Christy was. Like she just, she sounds like quite a character. (laughs) She had a personality that. Yeah. Played tricks on people. I can't remember some of the story, but she had some fun little stories about her and stuff. So it was fun to learn more about her. Right. You don't realize what kind of fallout is going to happen with uh, a death in the family. But we had a lot of fallout, a lot of issues and stuff since. It's mm-hmm. been rough. And it's been really rough on Carrie. Yeah, I mean, um, as a twin, you have that extra special that's connection. That's so hard, you yeah. know. What was Carrie doing? Like, where was she at in her life? Is she married? Like, when that happened, too? Yeah, um, she was actually married and living. I think she had a, a baby. Yeah, she had a baby. And she was in Oklahoma. Oh, her wow. husband so was out away. there training, yeah, and uh, oh man, so hard. it was hard. It was, oh. and it's, it still is. Like, yeah, it's better now. Things in her life have gotten better, but she was. It's just, it's a, it's a, a twins. They w- didn't have much in common at all, but they were best friends and they loved right. each other deeply. Yeah, and were yeah. really, really close. So um, it's been. It's been hard. Yeah, I imagine for um, <clears throat> Carrie, like, even though it's not her responsibility or her fault, but feeling the guilt a little bit, you know, Holly mentioned that as well. Like, that's part of the trauma is feeling like, oh, I should have done this. I should have said this. I shouldn't have said this. You learn with therapy and different things we don't have control of over others. We only have control over how we react to things. And so as much as we want to, like, think that we could have stopped it or could have changed it no way of knowing it's most likely we couldn't have but it's so hard and I think for you know you and all of your kids but especially with Carrie that would be really really hard hard. yeah and just that relationship with twins you know I was thinking about kind of like what you were saying my twins you know they're boy girl they're very different different personalities but they're just there like they've had each other their whole lives and just this week my little boy was sick and Avery just had a hard time going to school without him, you know, because uh-huh. she's like, I don't want to go to, and we're going to have a sub and I need you there, Asher, you know, so just yeah, little so things like that. Like they've just been there for each yeah. other, you know, yeah. so I think it's just a unique relationship that I don't think that any of us really, I don't even understand, although I've witnessed it up close, you know, yeah. so I can't exactly. imagine how exactly. that's been for Carrie. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that was a, 
a big transition. I, I, I do have comfort knowing that, you know, she was never homeless. She was never on the streets. Yeah. You know, she never, like, I, I feel like, and my dad said this at her funeral, that she, we gave her all the help we could here, and it just was never enough, and hopefully she's getting help where she is. And I believe that. I believe that we've had, we have um, her friends from time to time will will tell one of us a dream they've had about her or a memory Mm -hmm. or something, and it just lifts us so much and, um, you know, gives us sustenance to, you know, laugh and remember. And and It's amazing what that does, you know, when someone tells me a story about my mom or a memory, and I have some, a niece and nephew that lost their dad, and my husband had had a dream about their dad and was like, should I tell him? Should I not? And when he told them, they loved it so much, yeah. you know, yeah. and then I end up having a dream about him like almost a year later. And it was the same thing. It was like, Oh, I almost feel bad telling them. But at the same time, he was so happy in my dream and he, yeah. and so it meant a lot to them to share that. So it's just interesting. You just want to feel that somebody is thinking about them that cares about them like you do and appreciated those, you know, things about them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We yeah, love it. Eight. Yeah. That's really that's cool. Really yeah. yeah, I do. I, I do. Have, I don't know how many times they babysat Christine Carey because obviously Holly was able to do it. She must have been yeah. gone or something. But I did. Yeah. I loved to babysit them because it was so intriguing. Twins have always been super intriguing to me. So it was intriguing to me that they were twins, but that, yeah, they really were so different. But both of them just, I just loved them both. I mean, yeah. they're just cute girls and, yeah. and fun and just cool to be like, oh, they're like, yeah, they are best friends yet being so different. It was yeah. just. Yeah. A day doesn't go by that you don't think about them. And a lot of times I laugh when I think about her. I, I think of funny things and happy things. But there are also times that I will just be driving, especially when I'm driving by myself. And I will just bawl, and I'll just bawl my eyes out. I'll get home, I'll get out of the car, I'll walk in the house, and I'm fine. Mm. Yeah, you know? sometimes like, you need to do that. You get that. Yeah. 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 So it takes time. But anyway. Yeah. So then the the next little part of yeah. my life was then um, I started having weird symptoms and I finally went to the doctor and found out that I had MS and that was that was like the the last big transition and very disappointing because I'd been super healthy all my life and yeah. I had appreciated my health after seeing what my husband went through and um, it's been hard for me to accept. I ha- I've had therapy since I, I've been going to therapy since I found out. And um, I've learned about radical acceptance because I mm. kind of thought that I don't really have it. I'm just faking everybody out, <laughs> but I really have it. Yeah. I'm only faking myself out that I don't have it. But um, I'm coming to the realization that I have it. I'm taking, I'm really trying to eat really, really healthy. I'm exercising. Every day I'm, you know, doing stuff that I've never done as far as um, strength training and and stuff like that. And um, I'm feeling better. I know that I have to rest a lot. I can get up and do a few things and then rest. And I'm feeling like, you know, I thought for when I finally, you know, accepted it, I felt like, oh, my life is over. What's left for me? Nothing. But I feel like it's going to be okay, and I'm going to be okay. And people around me. You know, they're going to be okay too, because this is me, and we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And so, that plus retiring, um, 
I, I have had such mixed feelings and it's been hard, but I feel like um, Holly called me one time when she had two little kids, two little boys and a baby, a baby girl. And she said, Mom, I just had a realization. It's not all about me, is it? <laughs> and I was like, no, my love, it's not. But I, I feel like it's back now to being all about me. It's about me, and I, I can do what I want now. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you've given so much to your kids and even your husband. And, and my yeah, career. And your career, yeah. yeah. Others, like serving others through education, really, like it's such yeah. a neat thing yeah. yeah and that's what um, it is yeah so um I just feel like I feel at peace I feel like um I've been truly blessed through all the hard times and all the difficult things I've learned so much and um blessed with friends like Jill that have sustained me and lifted me and got me to where I am now. Um, you know, we're gonna make it, and we're gonna be. Ha- I'm gonna be happy, and um, I am happy, and a wonderful family, and wonderful children, and I don't know. It it all it all works out. I know. I think it's crazy. Like when you're going through something hard, it kind of seems impossible to be happy again, or to know how to move on, or to heal, but. I've learned even actually it was just the hospice nurse. He was a really nice guy. And my mom would tease him and flirt with him like in her little way. And we would just laugh. And, um, but when she was getting ready to pass, he just kind of reminded us all that like the word and is huge. You can, um, miss your mom, but and be happy. You know, she doesn't want us to like stop being happy. She doesn't want us to stop, stop doing things as a family and with our kids and, he was specifically um, talking to the grandkids. Remember the good memories with your mom, your grandma. Know that she loved you, but it's okay if you leave here and go laugh with your friends. And it's okay mm-hmm. if you go and play a soccer game right now. That's what you'd want. And you have to, you can mourn and be happy. You can miss her and be enjoying life all at once. And sometimes that's hard for our brains to comprehend, I think. But the radical acceptance, like you said, is part of that. Is accepting something that's hard. And also knowing that, like, like you said, you'll you'll be okay. I mean, some days still might be hard, and but the acceptance that this is what life is is right. just challenge and hard, but it's also joy and happiness all right. all at once. And you just yeah. you can't appreciate the good stuff without the bad stuff for sure. And you know, man, I appreciate the good times so much. Mm-hmm. They're so it's just time that you know time with the family and the kids and. It's just so precious, so precious. Well, that's a a lot of transitions. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. thank you so much for sharing. But that's, I mean, I already, you know, we've all had a lot already. That's just life. I mean, we think we all do if you really stop to think about it. Some that are, we talk about involuntary and voluntary. Um, But I was thinking, do you have any, like, um, new life perspectives or lessons or advice based on some of these things you could tell someone that's either, you know, in the middle of a transition or knowing that one's coming. You know, my dad is really wise. He's been the rock of my life, like through everything. And he, he's always just been like, it's going to be okay. Mm. It's going to be okay. Ron dies. It's going to be okay. Christy dies. It's going to be okay. 
I mean, it is, everything's going to be, it's going to be okay. Hmm. Whatever happens is going to be okay. You know, we've talked about, you know, we, uh, a, a friend died by suicide, and, and his comment was, kids or young people don't realize that it, it, it will be okay. You just have to get through it, but it's going to be okay. Hmm. And I think that's what I would say is, you have these hard things, and you don't know how you're going to get through it, and you panic, you have, you know, anxiety, but in the long run, it's going to be okay. It really is. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love that's that. That's great. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, when we interviewed my sister, Carrie, that's mm-hmm. was the whole theme of her episode was just to think again. Like, when you think it's going to never get better and it's there's no way out besides to die, just wait and, and think a little longer and wait, and then yeah. it really will be okay. Right. Yeah, and, and I love that kind of their two messages combined, you know, yeah. think twice, think again, and then it's going to be okay. Like, if we can say that to ourselves or try to remember, you know, we'll get through this. So, right. Yeah. I and I think that. what's a really cool theme and all of your, like we, what Lindsay mentioned earlier that, that you always had people around you surrounding yeah. you, helping you. And I think that's also a theme we found in a lot of our episodes that people don't want to be alone. They don't want to feel alone. They don't want to feel like nobody understands. And that's so the friendships, the uh, family, and even the investigator or, you know, or whoever was there that day, when Christy passed, like those things are huge. And if we can connect as human beings in mm-hmm. any way that we can, then that why we're here, yeah. I think is connection and helping each other. Well, it's such a good reminder, like the kind word, the kind thought. I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of slow down, like with that investigator there that day, slow down and take in what's going around you and offer the kind word or thought that, you know, that you have instead of just going on with your job or your day and you know, missing that opportunity that could be so oh, yeah. impactful. And I'm sure it's so impactful for him as well, you know, but kind of letting your guard down and being vulnerable. It's not always easy in the moment, but I think it pays off so much for us and for the people that we're coming in contact yeah. with, you know, and yeah. those connections in life, which is kind of in this podcast, what I feel like lucky enough, we we're getting to do a lot, yeah, you know, talk so to people. Awesome. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he was amazing. And, and this Terry that you guys are going to meet, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm excited. She's another person that showed up that didn't even know me. Oh, that's right. Maybe tell us a little bit about her. Cause I know that's a big part of how you've been healing since Christy um, died. She, she is a neighbor of my cousin and my cousin was our mortician. My, my grandpa was a mortician. Anyway, that's another fun fact. I'm a, a granddaughter of a mortician, <laughs> but, um, and he said at the end, after we went to make arrangements, he said, my neighbor's um, son died of a heroin overdose, and she, and she thinks that maybe he knew Christy. And she would, wondered if, it, if he would be opposed to connecting with her. And I said, no, no, that would be fine. And so she showed up at the viewing. She had a big stack of papers and handed them to me. She said, I'm Terry Olson, and I know Paul. And anyway, um, they, were, they were sympathy notes from a Facebook group that she belonged to that was about kids anyway but addiction and stuff but we've been in touch and I've we've just grown to love each other dearly we've become close friends and um, she's like this powerhouse advocate she's a what's the word activist Mm -hmm. for people I I don't have the energy or the drive to do what she does but she she's making a difference in the world she does so much so much good work 
and um, I just I just love her and she's I don't know just from her showing up I wouldn't I don't dare like I call her when I hear about a child dying of an overdose I call her and she goes to the viewings <laughs> and the funerals. Oh, that's really cool of her to do that because back yeah. to the like not wanting to feel alone. This person yeah. can yeah. know what you're feeling in the moment because they've been cr- through it. She's she's just amazing and she's started this program. I wish I had time to tell you, but it's um, it it's what I needed. It so many times in the hospital when they would release Christy, they they'd have me talk to the social worker, and I'd say, "What do I do now?" And they'd say sign right here good luck you know it was like I was on my own I didn't have anything no nothing it was horrible and this is a program that gives you tools and um, teaches you how to not fight with your addicted child but how to use one-liners and how to shut it down and Mm. how to not enable them but to still love them I mean it's just it's called changes and it's amazing that's great yeah anyway yeah, we will have her on. Yeah, hopefully yeah. in a few weeks we can yeah. talk to her. And yeah, I'm she's excited. She's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. so great. And that's so neat that you made that connection with her, and now the work that she's doing is benefiting you and yeah, and the so friendship. Others, yeah. That's really neat. Yeah. You guys will love her. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited thanks. to meet her. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you? Ha- I think we talked about a little bit earlier. You might have a quote to share that you kind of stood out to you, ties into your story. Well, it's about what I'm going to do now. Okay. And it's, it says something like, I'll, I'll send it to you. But okay. it says something like, um, I'll, something like I'll be at the shore with lanterns looking for myself. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do now is I'm going to yeah. find, I'm going to find who I am now and I'm going to savor it. I'm going to love myself and take care of myself now. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you spend a lot is. of years taking care of others and. Do you have some plans yet? Do you know what you're kind of... Oh, we're I mean, just going back and, and forth, and... back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Ca- Cabo in March, I think. There but... you go. Ooh, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. That's perfect that's way. Awesome. That's a perfect place to start. Yeah. And yeah. is your husband retired now, did you say? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. So you guys can travel and yeah. just kind of enjoy time. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, this has been amazing. Yeah. And I'm so grateful <laughs> for... Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, you're sharing your like hard things and vulnerable things and... Yeah. Um, Obviously, I care a lot about you and your family, and I'm grateful that you would share that with us. Um, I love feeling like we got kind of like, I mean, not your whole life story. I know there's much more in the details, but it was just neat for you to kind of walk us through (laughs) a lot of your life. So thank you so much. Um, So after, I guess, all these transition in your life, right? Like, what is a way that you find beauty in life? I think sitting still, being still in nature. I like to sit still when the grandkids are all playing and I'm observe. I, d- I just like being still and and I guess it's mindfulness. Mm. Being yeah. aware of what's going on around me and appreciating it and enjoying it. Being present. I love being that. present. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's so many distractions. It's like we really do have to like really think about that yeah. and make sure it's part of our Right. lives so yeah that's a good I feel you know watching your grandkids play it's easy I was just imagining yeah sit and be still and watch them and enjoy them rather than I mean my my inclination go clean up that pile go do this go you know so mm-hmm. many distractions but just being still and enjoying the moment so right I love until they start fighting and then you have yeah to... <laughs> then you have to, <laughs> you have to pull them up. apart yeah yeah how many yeah. grandkids do you have eight eight that's oh fun, fun. that's awesome yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll probably get to see them more too since you're. Uh, I know that's one really good thing. Yeah, oh, good. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. that's really awesome. Oh. Okay, well, we've loved having you and. Yes, um, thank you so much. It's been amazing and mm-hmm. appreciate taking your time. So Yeah, we'll have to keep in touch, and we're excited to talk to your friend, Terry. That will be yeah. really good. Yeah, great. Okay. Awesome. Okay, thanks, thanks. Karen. Yeah, see, see you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribed to the podcast and followed along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram at Beautiful Shifts Podcast where we will post updates with our latest interviews. We'd like to thank the band We The Lion for giving us permission to use their beautiful song Move Along for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy. I find a way to know myself All my thoughts are mine again and begin to understand where to go Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones All I want is to believe Life is my own Life is my own I'll start again, my mind is free now I can feel the truth in me I'll take a chance, I won't be wrong Yes, now it's time to move Now it's time to move along Take this journey